God bless you all. Turn in your Bible with me to the book of Psalm, chapter 24. I was in prayer this week here, as you might imagine, and several days um, I would I would hear just a triumphant proclamation that said the King of Glory is coming, and I I heard that a number of times over the week. And um, there wasn't any explanation. There wasn't any trumpet blowing or anything of that nature. And I was, I was very, very grateful for that. I'm, I'm always grateful, as I know you are, for the times that the Lord says things or allows you to be sensitive to things in the Spirit. And so I began to, as you might imagine, look at the most famous passage that speaks about the King of Glory, and that's here in Psalm 24. And as I, as I explored this, I recognized that we, as a saint's network, are really positioned in what this chapter is talking about right now. And um, I also then, and as I prayed and studied, particularly yesterday morning during our rather seasoned prayer time, um, I, I felt a very clear connection between what David writes in Psalm 24 and what he writes in Psalm 15. And um, essentially, Psalm 15 is a very personal word concerning how you're processing the things that go on in your life, whether you're going to be jealous, whether you're going to complain about your neighbor, whether you're going to um, elect not to participate in what God is doing through his tabernacle outreaches, whether you choose another pathway to focus on the carnal, to focus on the material. And if you look at Psalm 15, you recognize it's, it's about choice. It says, he that, he that chooses to engage in the tabernacle. It doesn't mean to just stay there in dwelling. The dwell there means a choice to turn into and commit yourself to something. And so Psalm 15 really is a subjective type of commitment to the ways of the Lord. And it is the beginning point for all of us um, as to whether God can then take us into what Psalm 24 talks about. Um, you know, it's, it's that old, uh, it's that old um, aspect, and you study the Scriptures when you look at word derivations and you recognize that the verb form regularly is the first thing that happens. You, you, have to, you have to be functional before you can understand the meaning of the noun, the, 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 to do and to teach. You, you do something in obedience to the Lord, and then as you do that in the journey, he instructs you, and you learn meaning, and then you're able to see that meaning throughout the Scripture. So, when David, who was a tabernacle man, and uh, the tabernacle of David is the Gentile church, according to what the Scripture says for our day, um, if you're not willing to commit yourself to uh, dealing with your own issues, 
dealing with things that would, would regularly stem up, and it usually has to do with other people, um, if you're not willing to deal with those things, those, those parts where iniquity will, will affect you, then you won't go any further in the Lord. You just, you just won't. And your faithfulness in partnering with the plan of God and allowing Him to purge you and allowing Him to cleanse you then positions you for a, a greater involvement in partnership with Him. If you're faithful in the small things, then you're made, what? Ruler over many. Not participant, but ruler. And so um, I, I was drawn to, as I said, this Psalm 24, and particularly when the Lord, before we look into it, and we are going to look into it, there are two selahs in this psalm, which is kind of interesting. But I find that we're here, that we're here now. Um, when you speak about the glory, you recognize that that is God's indication that he's going to do something that he's not done before. He's going to debut something. He's going to, in his timing, he's going to bring it about. And he looks for those who will partner with him, and they become participants in the glory. So the glory of God, the weightiness of God, is God impacting creation with something that he, that he is debuting, something that he is instituting. And that whole process of partnership is what's involved with the glory. So if you have the king of glory, you have the one who is the king of kings, you have the one who is over all things regarding the glory, the supervisor, the, the creator, the, the innovator, the, the, the one who envisions. And there will be, as according to what the Scripture says, he is the king of kings and lord of lords. And these are all structural terms. I remember many years ago, and I've testified about this and written it, that early on in our growth together, I was studying in, in my office at home, the happy place, and um, all of a sudden I felt to the left of me, my computer screens are here, the window is here, uh, to the left of me I felt a, a real a shimmering, a shaking, and I looked and there was an angel standing there, and he began to speak to me about the hierarchy of authority in Scripture, in Scripture, not something I dreamed up. And he, he imparted something to me to where I could clearly see how the Apostle Paul and how the Scripture lists the authority structure in Scripture and the various power structure in Scripture. And he looked at me and he said very clearly, this is vital for you to understand this. This is vital because, as we've said so often, in the spirit realm, in God's kingdom, everything revolves about your relationship with him and your position in his authority structure. Those two things are, are absolute necessities. And that's where people get screwed up, isn't it? They either don't have a relationship with God or are suspicious of those who do, and they want to stop somebody else from moving forward, and a power struggle. You know, we don't like you doing this. I'm the ones in charge here. This is the way we've always done it. Why do you have authority and I don't? Why are you doing this and I don't? Those two things are the battleground. That's how the enemy fell. You know, God envisioned and proclaimed to the angelic group, the sons of Elohim, I'm going to create mankind or humankind, and, and they're going to be in my image. And they're going to partner with me. 
And you are going to serve alongside to them, but you're going to be subservient to them. Well, the enemy wasn't buying into any of that. From the very beginning, he said, I'm going to kill that. I'm a man killer. From the beginning, Jesus said. And um, so the idea of being in partnership with God and relationship with God and God's desire to cause us to be joint heirs with Christ was something that the enemy uh, would not accept. And through that lack of acceptance, he mobilized rebellion. And that was the iniquity that was found in him. He was unwilling to yield to what God wanted to do. And then that became the challenge that we still face today. So, um, uh, but I remember that day when, the, when that angel said that to me, and then he, he, he didn't go back through the portal. He was just gone. But I remember the, the, the static and the vitality that was in that, in that room. Uh, wherever, wh- whoever this angel was, however he was communicating from the throne, uh, it, made a, it made a lasting difference there in the place where I study every day. And it was funny because I looked past that, and I, at the time we had two cats that were doing their damage in our house, and they were both laying outside the door looking in. They were not coming in. They were laying outside the door looking in. And I thought that was interesting, and I thought, well, it would be great if that angel came to other parts of the house to keep those cats out of there. But, um, but anyway, authority is, is really established here in Psalm 23. And if the king of glory is going to be manifesting himself, that means that certain things are in place, certain structure by the directive of the Spirit is in place, and um, God has people who are, who are under him in charge of various aspects uh, of his kingdom, of his ecclesia throughout the world. And then because they're in place as gatekeepers, as it were, then others are able to move in the authority of the Lord and exhibit what God created them to be and enjoy blessing and to facilitate prosperity in the kingdom. Does that make sense? That's just the way, that's just authority 101. And everybody that's been involved in the Saints Network who's done any of these studies should should know that. So when you talk about the King of Glory coming in, that means that the King of Glory has positioned all of these things. People have partnered with him. They're waiting, they're in preparation, and they're serving, waiting for the timing when God debuts things. But it's not just God coming in and everybody having a, a Holy Ghost hoedown. It's, it is a systematic application of what the kingdom of God is wanting to reveal. So here in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. He has founded it upon the seas, established upon the floods. The word floods there is regularly spoken of in the scripture and in the koine of the day as tributaries or rivers. So God speaks about um, the importance of the seas and the importance of, of the rivers. Uh, the, the earth is established by then. Who will ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? Now, ascend here is a close derivative of what we know as Elion. 
the Most High. And when we studied about that name of God, we recognize that it is that dimension of God where he coordinates the high places. And, you know, the Islamic peoples take a variation of that, and they speak of Allah, which is a which is, is kind of a loose, uh, a loose variation of Elyon. So if you're talking about ascending into the hill of Yahweh, you're talking about, okay, God's got the earth and all creation. Now he is going to be, according to his plan, positioning people for his kingdom to be known in the earth. This is very strategic language. David was a warrior. He was a tactician. He, he knew how to organize for the tens of thousands to be put to flight. And what a, what, a, what a really unique combination he had where he would seek after the heart of God, but then he would apply these principles of what God showed. It, it really is stunning. Who will stand in his holy place if you are there under the directive of God for what he wants to do, are you willing to take a stand? Are you willing to take responsibility? And that's what we learn, parets parats. We take a stand, and then God, God blesses with a breakthrough because of that. But that doesn't just manifest here. It's, it's found in the heavens according to God's plan. Um, and it, here it says something that, has more to do with agenda, pure agenda, than it has to do with subjective things that are going on with inside you. Uh, we talked about that from Psalm 15. You know, are you going to be jealous of people? Are you going to be backbiting? Are you going to be doing those things that Psalm 15 talks? Here it talks about agendas. He that has clean hands. Clean hands, as we've studied, speaks about... Um, not wanting to take things into your own hand. Very often it speaks about that phrase indicating that somebody hasn't murdered, somebody hasn't killed to get what they want. So you, you're saying, look, I'm not going to do this in my own strength. I'm, I'm not going to take things into my own hands, as it were. Um, a pure heart means that you, you continually submit that to the directive of God, that the steering wheel of your life is under the direction of the Spirit of God, and you keep it clean. Pure heart is not a, uh, is not a descriptive. It's, it's a function. So you've got to keep things clean. You know, if you clean your house once a year and say it's clean, it's really not clean. Of course, I, I think that would apply to my office too, I think. But, um, you know, the point, though, is that this is a continuous submission to God to make sure that you're following what he wants. Uh, you're not lifted up your soul to vanity. Vanity here has more to do with fraud than with pride. You, you, you want to deceive. You have a, an agenda, and so you throw out a bunch of misinformation in order to, um, to keep people from seeing what you're really doing so that you can be hoodwinked. Um, and then swear deceitfully. Now, you, you lie about it. You speak things as if it's truth, but it's really a lie. Boy, it sounds like we're describing our world today, isn't it? 
Uh, aren't you glad the government is putting together the ministry of truth just to keep us all clean right now? Isn't that right? Little did we know when we read George Orwell's 1984 that it was more of a prophetic book than we realized. However, these things have to do with our willingness to partner with the agenda of the Lord. If Psalm 15 is saying, you got your own house in order, Psalm 24 is, okay, God is going to allow you to find place in him. Are you willing to do things God's way? Um, and if a person is willing to do all this, he will receive the blessing, the baraka from Yahweh. In other words, you'll be kneeling before God, and God's going to commission you to do what it is that he has ordained for you to do. You will then gain righteous vision from Elohim, and you will be then directed toward how God wants to bring liberty, as Mark was teaching about life today, uh, how you will be an agent of the vitality of God. Then in verse 6 it says, this is the generation of them that seek him. That's a really wonderful phrase that's often in lots of, uh, lots of our choruses. Uh, but generation there is not the normal term that speaks of the 40 years. It speaks about the compl- this speaks about the completion of a circle. Now, isn't that interesting? This is not chul. This is a word that, that can speak about a generation passing to generation where everybody has their time and then they turn it over to somebody else. But this is the circle in, gender, in, in, gen- in general, and that conveys the idea of the ways of God. So this is those that will seek him to partner in his ways, to know him in his face, and then it does this combinative of Jacob and Selah. It's very interesting that God says your name will no longer be called Jacob, it'll be Israel, but here it's speaking of Jacob. And anytime you see that after God changed his name, it means, who am I talking to here? Am I talking to the guy that's going to do things in his ways before your hip was touched and you were, you were uh, limping along? Or am I talking to the one that is willing to partner with Elohim? So the sila is, okay, you've come to this point. Are you willing to go forward to see fulfillment? And then it goes into this. Verse 7, lift up your heads, O you gates, and be you lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. What does that mean? You know, I remember when we, when we uh, uh, first came here, which um, this is the week we first came here, 42 years ago. How's that? How did that happen? Where have the years gone? Um, but there, we, the choir used to be a really big deal here. And God used the choir here. But I remember we were making an album one time here in the sanctuary. Can you imagine that? I don't think, is anybody in that choir other than us? I don't think so. Were you in the choir that sang that record? Okay. Well, we had a lady that was... Um, that was a soprano, and she would overpower the mic. Sandra remembers this. <laughs> so during the record, they put her out in the back foyer. Used to be a door right here, and she had she had uh, she had a little solo on this song, and she'd sing, "Who is the King of Glory?" She would sing that, and then when she would go, "Who is the King of Glory?" 
and it would just split your ears open, you know, and she'd blast that thing. And so whenever I hear, whenever I hear this verse, I can't, I'm sorry, Lord, but I can't not think of that. I mean, it's just emblazoned in me. But what is he saying here with lift up your heads, gates, and lift up the everlasting doors? Well, what we've studied about gates over the years speaks about um, the functionality here on earth. Recently, God allowed us to see that in the Old Testament, in the koine of the people, if you were a gatekeeper, if a gate was functional, that was depicted as 100. And even the people who were successful gatekeepers, managers of the gates of a city, managers of the gates of a business, uh, the gates would indicate the security of a city, the security of a nation. Um, would God, we'd understand it here in our country now. But the, um, the 100-fold was that everything in that city was functioning. You had the gates, you had the doors that spoke of commerce within the security of the system. And this is what God says. So if you're saying lift up the gates in conjunction with all this, that means that God has established people who are willing to take a stand for the overall kingdom and that they are wanting everything that God's Word says to be in place. And they lift their heads so that they are submitting their authority, they're submitting their ears, their eyes, to hear what God is saying when He's saying it. Now, the everlasting doors is a reference to Olam, which speaks about how God has ordained a blessing to come. If you don't, what, this is, again, 101, we've studied this. If you don't have the gates in place, you're not going to have very many doors. You know? Look at Minneapolis right now. Well, you can't see it, but just consider Minneapolis. Tremendous parts of that city totally destroyed. You think anybody is going to go in there and invest their money, their capital, to reestablish stores in those places? Forget about it. It's not happening. Why? Because there's no structure of authority there. There, there just is none. Nobody is willing to put their life on the line for, for protecting that, and that's a shame. So if you don't have the gates in place, there's not going to be blessing. There's just not. The everlasting doors are what God wants to, to release in the way of commerce, in the way of fellowship, in the way of blessing. But that cannot happen on an international scale unless you have people in place who will say, under the King of glory, yes, Father, I accept this commission to stand and to say, this is what God wants. This is what the kingdom wants. And I'm going to be faithful to stand here. I'm going to be an intercessor. I'm going to partner with God in the ladder of the Lord in the, as, as a pillar in his temple. And then that generates blessing around. Now, we've, you've lived this. And um, if I say how that's impacted this city over the past 30 years, um, it would sound pretentious. It would sound prideful. But what you have done as a people of God in prayer has unlocked many things that the doors of the Lord have been able to pour out within this city, to pour out upon the people of God. And, and, and that's, that's an exponential blessing. And I, I thank you for that, and I bless you for that. 
But the, the everlasting doors is something that for God to pour out what he has ordained from the foundation of the world, for those doors of blessing and fellowship and prosperity and fruitfulness to be, you've got to have people that have been willing to take the stand in the gates and to look beyond the mundane to see what God wants. This is God's structure. This is David, the great king, the great general, the great uh, uh, one whose heart is after God, telling how the kingdom works. It's incredible. This is such a poetic thing, but it's such a phenomenal depiction of the things that God has been training you to do. Now, again, I'll just toss this out, too. The difference between the doors and windows of the Lord is that doors are functional attachments to the gates. Windows are blessings from God that he just decides to pour out. You know, if, uh, if you've got Romeo coming to see Juliet, she opens the window, she pours out her, her love and her, her song and maybe throws a few rose petals or hopefully nothing uh, like the kitchen sink. But, you know, those blessings are, are serendipitous moments, and you can't really predict what's going to come out of the windows. You, you just can't. But God pours that out like handfuls on purpose. The doors is a functional reality. It's the, the doors are parts of how God wants to bless, and it's his everlasting thing. It's, his, it's what he's ordained from the foundation of the world. So if you're lifting up your heads and you've lifted up the everlasting doors, that means you're paying attention. You're committing yourself and all of the authority that God has given you you're committing your, your priorities, you're, you're, you are committed, and you're paying attention. And this is what God says. The king of glory will come in. What God has promised, God will inhabit these things. Yes, yeah, so, so how is that in the progression? See, we would think, well, if the king of glory comes in, then we'll have all this. Isn't that way we think? Boy, if we could just have a visitation, if people could see God walking through here with his temple, everybody would be slain in the spirit, and, and, you know, they'd come too, and then there'd be a glow on the building, and people would come. This is not the progression that God says here, is it? It says all these other things first. Are you willing to make a commitment? Are you willing to go through the process? Are you willing to partner with God? Are you willing to lift up your heads and establish the gates? Are you willing to welcome the kingdom? You do all these things, then the king of glory will come and he will manifest himself in a way that's beyond anything you've ever seen before. You've seen this in principle in your own life. You build the altar properly, God comes. If you, if you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. If you seek him with all your heart, he'll be found of you. The onus is always upon you being willing to say, I will seek you. I will look for you. I will do what I will sow my tetheme before you, and then you come. But if we really knew the whole story, he's there at the very beginning. And he's saying, okay, I'm giving this to you. What are you going to do with it? So um, I, I love this. The king of glory will come in. Then verse 8 says this. And, I, and the reason I'm going through this is, first of all, that the Spirit really highlighted this 
<laughs> very excitedly this week in this house in prayer. And, um, and I know that we're living this right now. I know that we're in this position right now. Um, who is this King of Glory? And then it describes, who are we talking about here? The King of Glory is coming in. The Lord, strong and mighty. Those are two very curious words. First of all, Lord, it's, it's, this is God's way. This is the way He's going to do it. There's no argument with it. Strong is a variation of the, the power word oz, or oz, oz. Um, that, that word means being creative, in, ingenious, uh, that, that uh, you have the wisdom of God, the directive of the wisdom of God to break through, and no matter what you need, no matter what, uh, what presents itself, you're going to gain clarity, and it's, it's going to be a miraculous point of prophetic insight. But the, the, the neat thing about this variation of that word is it has to do with the appearance on the face of somebody, a confidence, a, a, uh, an absolute um, well, confidence is the best word. Um, that you, they're not messing around. And how often is that? How many times have we seen in the past year people in a geopolitical theater say, you know, I'm not sure we as a government are depicting really strong leadership right now. And is that emboldening Putin? Is that emboldening Xi of China? Is that emboldening those that would, uh, the, the Korean, North Korean dictator? You know, uh, if, if we're not depicting strength, if we're, de if we're depicting weakness or senility or some point of, of uh, vacillation, uh, uh, not, not being clear, if, if we're depicting that we don't know what the Sam Hill we're doing, does that embolden our enemies? And of course it does. Of course it does. And, and so... The, the, the variation of this word is that not only are you functioning in wisdom and in confidence, but you're showing it. And mighty, strong is that word, but mighty is Gabor, which is not Jaja, but it is, it is that mighty man. It's the name from which Gabriel gets his name. And we've studied about the mighty men of David. This is Gabor. So how, how, is, how is the king of glory um, strong and mighty, he has mighty men and women who are willing to go forth in wisdom confidently. That's, how, that's who the king of glory functions with. And the Lord Yahweh is mighty in battle. Here is, the, the, again, this word gabor. When battle comes, when you are violently taking the kingdom, when you're pressing forth and the directive God has given, it's mighty men that do that on behalf of God. This is who the King of Glory is. You know, David says that. I'm talking about the King of Glory coming in. Well, who is that? Well, then he describes him this way, which is really how he's wanting to function with each of us. And then he repeats this again. Verse 9, lift up your heads, O you gates, even lift them up, you everlasting doors. The king of glory shall come in. And then in verse 10, who is the king of glory? Well, it's none other than the Lord Sabah, 
Yahweh Sabah, the armies of heaven. This is the way the armies of heaven work. He is the king of glory, Selah. Now, the first usage of Selah in this passage is, are you going to be Jacob or are you going to be Israel? Are you going to be the one that's following the Lord or are you the one that's just going to live in your own devices? And then the last one in verse 10 is, okay, we've clarified this. This is the way God moves. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to fulfill this? Are you going to partner with the, with the, uh, with the armies of heaven? See, this all makes perfect sense. And I was thinking about the fact that here we are in this first day of May, this fifth month, which is a fast of feasting month. And I was thinking about the 10th, the 4th, 5th, and the 7th, those four months. We've studied about this. We know what God said to the people that were in Babylon, how that they had used those months as mourning times and lamenting times, really complaining against God times. But the fast of feasting was established so that they could partner with the Lord of hosts. And I, I think about the 10th month, which is really the beginning of winter for us. It is, it is the beginning of seasons, and we're supposed to offer the fast of feasting then so that we say no matter what has happened to this point, God, the beginning of this new spiritual year, we're with you. We're committing ourselves. We're, we're fasting those things that would engender bitterness. Uh, the seventh month is where we're really in the midst of harvest, and we're, we're really functioning, and, and we, we, we can see how God is moving, and we want to come before Him just to make sure we're still in alignment with Him, and we're not given place to pride or weariness. But this fourth and fifth, coming back to back, I've often wondered about this. I didn't wonder to the point where I didn't obey, but... I'm wondering if it's not, if you begin in the 10th month, which is the beginning of the spiritual year, it's also the beginning of the Jewish year, the calendar year, but the 4th and the 5th month, I wonder if the 4th month is Psalm 15, where we come before the Lord on a personal level, and the 5th month is Psalm 24, where we say we're presenting ourselves uh, as sons for breakthrough, and they're back-to-back because they are eternally joined, and we're really in a, a unique moment. Uh, we are in breakthrough time now. You know, I, I, I've had discussions. We've, we've got four or five major things that are going on for outreach into the world right now, and we are, we are putting, we're, we're launching um, uh, instruction for the, the pastors in Brazil, on a monthly basis, we're launching producing outlines and, and curriculum for an ongoing school, week-to-week -week school for the churches of Brazil, which can then be used for uh, Europe, can be used for Africa, can be used for um, Mexico, for many other places. Um, we, are, we are launching out on weekly broadcasts now, uh, initiating new ways for the voices of our network leadership to be able to speak into South America. I mean, all of these things are, are, are not just being planned, but being put together for launch. We're targeting one month from today, really, the first part of June, for all these things to be launched. 
And uh, what, what are these things doing? They're teaching the ecclesia. They're putting people in position. They are, they are really focusing on establishing the gates and the doors in these, in these continents. And, and it's, it's an exciting moment. But all of that being said, none of it matters if the king of glory is not orchestrating it, if he's not going to come in. He is with us. This is kingly measures of obedience, and you're all a part of this. This is an exciting moment for us. The long season of uh, being suspended in our operations um, is that window of opportunity is opening. And as we've said, we've got to work for the night comes. We've got to be busy in the, in the fields of the Lord. Uh, we, we've got to, to do everything we can, as efficiently as we can, to establish these outposts around the world because we don't know how much time we really have. Only the Lord knows that. But this is what God said. And so to hear that, the King of glory will come in. The King of glory is coming. That's quite a statement. That's that, who is that? It's our Father in heaven. It, it is all of these things that we've talked about. I've just done them off the basis of what I remember here. And, but, but I'm only doing that because we've all been living these teachings over the years. You have been serving God. You've been studying. These are out there. They may not be for First Church of the General Walkers, but this is what you know. And, and I, I just want to encourage you that thousands of years ago, David wrote this prophetically. And yes, we are the tabernacle of David. But yes, because we establish that under the directive of the Father, we then welcome people who are gatekeepers in the nations. And we... We do these other things so that the structure is in place for them to lift up their heads and to welcome the King of glory. Our Father is that King of glory. What a wonderful thing. How much, how much do we know about our Father from the Scripture? You know, many years ago, we, we were directed by the Lord to recognize that when we pray, when we are at the right hand of the Father, that Jesus came so that we might know our Father. That was revolutionary. Even though we, we would pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We'd say that, but we didn't really, as a church, maybe this was different in your church, but we never really focused on the Father. I mean, we think of the Father as the judge or the one that, leaned over to Jesus and said, bring my people home, or empowered Peter to let people into heaven or not let them in, or on uh, the great white throne or those kinds of things. We never thought of him as one that we would know. In fact, we often thought that it would be sacrilege to Jesus if we focused too much on the Heavenly Father, which is what during those early days when we were called on the carpet, um, we were even told that we were sacrilegious. We weren't focusing on Jesus enough 
when you read what Jesus actually said, he said, I've come to do the will of the Father. If you see me, you've seen the Father. I'm going into heaven now and so that you might know the Father and to know the glory we had from the foundation of the world. And those and many other scriptures, how do you not see that it's important for us to know the Father? And then we studied about what it meant to call him Abba. And we studied about those things and how imperative it was to apply that that measure of, of love to our Father, uh, to where we commit ourselves to Him and to His ways. But He is the King of glory. He is the King of glory. It's by His directive. It is by His will. And um, Jesus Christ is Lord, patterning what we're supposed to be as, as following the directive of the King of kings, but um, I, I, just, I just think that this is something that the Father is saying to us. This new season of breakthrough, this new season of going in that you've been preparing for is, um, is, is going to see this 24th chapter of the book of Psalms depicted. And I'll just, I'll just say this too because, you know, God asks for our obedience. And he doesn't really like kids in the back seat asking why all the time. And the thing is that when we obey, then our mind catches up, and it's just part of the process. And we think, oh, this is how God's going to do this. And, but the obedience part is the thing that's really clear. But then our deducings, our deductions, are the things that somehow don't turn out the way that we thought they would. And sometimes people don't like that. It's, it's that old thing where expectation doesn't meet reality and then people get frustrated or whatever. But the obedience is always very clear. So I started talking over a year ago that God was saying, you need to put together pods of things that we've learned over the years. And so I started working on that and grouping things together so that we had these all lined up. And I thought, oh, okay, this is how God's going to do this. This is what he wants us to do with this. And, but the things always, you know, we'd face some kind of an opposition, and then we couldn't go forth with the with videoing of it. And, you know, then we, we'd get new equipment, and we had to wait for that. And it was just those kinds of things that would happen, and you'd think, okay, when are we going to get this started? And then, all of a sudden, had this discussion with Luciano and subsequent Lucy, uh, subjects uh, were discussed. And I recognized, oh, okay, this is how this is going to be manifested. This is how it's going to be. It's not just us teaching something and then sending it out for translation. This is going to be an orchestrated thing for the way this can be impacted into churches, hundreds of churches within the next two years. And it can also benefit other places around the world. But the, the pods and the groupings are already done. And um, it's just funny how God does things. It's just funny how God does things. And what about for you? You know, God, is, it's almost like being in the military. Hurry up and wait. Do this thing, now stand down and wait. And um, I, I think that so many of the things that God has asked you to do and asked you to get ready, you're faithful to do them, but then you wait. 
Isn't it funny how many times in Scripture it tells us to wait on the Lord? And, and we've studied about the tikwa and the other words about how, you know, it's the entwining of the cord that makes a threefold cord that's not easily broken. We think about that in waiting. But patience in the saints, no matter how you characterize it, it still involves waiting. And you're ready to go as a goodly horse in battle. And you don't know why the, your mount is not saying, charge! You know, but you're waiting. And you wait. And that's a test of patience. That's why patience is the first sign of the apostolic. You would think that if you have an apostolic word from God, bless God, I'm just going to go and tear it up. Here it comes. Nobody else has this. And it's urgent. We've got to get it in there now. And God says, wait. Apostle Paul says, all the signs of the apostle were fulfilled among you in all patience. And he starts with that. We want to start with the dunamis. We want to start with the miracles. We want to start with all these other things. But God starts with patience. You wait on the Lord. He renews your strength. Well, if we didn't have to wait, our strength wouldn't have been stretched anyway. Did you ever think about that? <laughs> Nothing wears you out more than waiting. Isn't that true? Unless you have the perspective, and even if you have the perspective, you have to keep reminding yourself of the perspective. But that's the way God does things. It's in his timetable. And in the journey, it's more important that you trust God and you do what he says than anything that your rational thoughts. There's a way that seems right unto men and women, but the end thereof is destruction. You know, we trust in the Lord in his ways because man's ways are not God's ways. It seems I read that somewhere. Um, but this is, what, this is what God says. So we're at this fifth month. And I'm, I'm encouraging everybody in this house and everybody in the houses of the saints who are willing to participate in this to make this month where we're submitting ourselves that we would submit ourselves to this plan of the Lord, to, to the structure of the King of glory, to the establishment of His gates, to the establishment of welcoming His doors, the establishments of wisdom, the absolute necessity of wisdom so that the creativity and the timing of God would be known, that we would submit ourselves to being the Gabor, the mighty men and women that God needs to represent his kingdom. All of these things are, are that, that we would, we would do what the fast of feasting, according to Zechariah, was established for, so that we would be done with the past and the failures of the past, and that we would align ourselves with the Lord of hosts. This is what we must focus on in this month, because the breakthrough is here. First Saturday of June, I have my first meeting in all Saturday morning with a, with a big group of pastors in Brazil, and that's Pentecost weekend. We're going to be talking about the factors of Pentecost that are not normally preached. They all know about speaking in tongues and fiery, you know, fire on their heads. No, that's wonderful, but what about the supplication? What about the ecclesia? What about what we spoke a couple of weeks ago about, the, the main focus of Peter's sermon? After he speaks about Joel 2, that's where most people stop. But the rest of that sermon is what God was really trying to establish. And, and then the next day, Pastor Luciano begins this 
new thing where every Sunday there is a teaching that has been orchestrated out of the Saints Network, and that will become the base for training in all of these churches. That will be revisited over and over again. That all begins in June. And so here we are in May, not just for South America, but for all the other places that God is going to be opening and the places where um, we, we already have established uh, outposts. Well, I don't say we. God has already established that we have some semblance of responsibility for. How better of a time in this fifth month to come and say, Father, do I have clean hands? Do I have a pure heart? Is there any way that there is something in my soul, in my emotions, that is twisted? I don't want to be fraudulent. And I don't think anybody could accuse us of being that. I'm not patting ourselves on the back, but that's never been our motive. We've never said, okay, we'll do this, and if we do this, then we'll get this. That's never been our motive, and you know that. You've lived that. But it would be good for us. We don't know what's going to come. Success corrupts, and we need to position ourselves that we would not align with people who are prone to this and that we would ourselves not be led into that kind of deceptive mentality uh, and that we would never deal with, with lies. You know, and, and there's so many factors. The Word of God is alive. So many of these things we have lived over and over again. I remember in Psalm 15, those things that are more subjective, those first number of years, man, oh, man, did were we not attacked over and over again when we were trying to establish a tabernacle kind of an environment. You read those things that happen. I mean, we still have the battle scars for this. And, and it's, it, these are living these are living factors of, of what God says, watch out for this and, and guard yourself for this. Um, even Psalm 24, I mean, we see this governmentally, clean hands, pure heart, fraud, and lying. I mean, we see that governmentally, if you pay attention at all, <laughs> uh, on the news. And we were attacked in this way uh, with a whole progressive invasion over two years ago. And some people were taken out because they participated in these things. Uh, and I, I'm not going to delineate upon it, but these factors are here. Why? Because the King of Glory is coming. The gates are being established. The everlasting doors are going to be opened, and the blessings of the Lord and the vitality of the Lord are going to be known. Um, and, and so we need to submit ourselves and say, Father, even though we don't understand what all this might mean in an actual outlay of what could happen, we, we recognize this is your word and we submit ourselves that we would be clean and that we would be protected against this and that we would be warned as to not participating with those that might be, be looking at this kind of empowerment. Isn't that what, um, um, when Philip went into Samaria and Simon the sorcerer was there and, and uh, the Spirit of the Lord was doing such wonderful things as the cross was preached, and he said, 
I got to get a hold of this because this is empowerment. You know, I've lost my place. If I get this, I can really dominate these people. You remember that? And Peter said, you have no lot or place in this. And um, uh, we've got to have that wisdom of Peter because, look, you know, when you go out into nations and you're meeting people for the first time and you've got leaders that are coming and there are all different types of motives for why people are at those initial meetings. And you can't judge things in the natural. You just can't. And we've got to have the directive of the Spirit because time is short. We, we don't have the opportunity for do-overs. I mean, we, we just got to be right on. And so I think this would be a good thing for us in this fifth month to really pray for your own life as well as for what God is doing amongst the, the nations, where the, the, the holy nation, the, the holy, the saintly nations that are coming, that we're preparing the way for. Um, and, but, but for you personally, I, I speak, there was such joy and rejoicing here at the beginning of this service, and there still is. And I, I believe that that's an impartation from the Lord. I release blessing to you. I release the joy of the Lord to you. I release the, the, the mindset of del, the delight of the Lord to you. And I just pray that it will overwhelm you and supercharge you and, and just be around you and creating an atmosphere of confidence and belief and, and really uh, looking at what God's doing, that we would register that happiness and, and really be, be, be thankful for it. I release that to all of you, and um, let's walk in that. Let, let's walk in that. And, and I, I don't, I, I, I knew so often when we just go Scripture by Scripture, which should be what most churches do, <laughs> uh, you run the risk as a leader of losing people or people think, well, what does that mean? Well, you've all been trained to study the Word. Go back through this and, and live this 24th Psalm. It's great. And thankfully, you don't have the sound of a woman standing in the back forward, foyer screaming out, who is the king of glory? I mean, you don't have that in your head. Uh, pray for me that I'll forget that. And, uh, but God is with you. He loves you. You've committed yourself to him. This is your portion. This is your blessing. Function in that way. This this changes, you know, things are, I, I still, it's still early. I'm not prolonging this. In your intercession, things are a bit different. It's the same factors. You're before the Father, you're praying in diversities of tongues. But even in the positions in the heavens, what's going on up there, things are, things are the same, but they're different. It's progressed forward. And, um, you know, function in that. Be faithful. Don't go beyond what God wants. But know that there is a mobilization for these things to be happening. Recognize that and yield yourself to the Lord in it. I mean, it was different even yesterday. And it's been this way for weeks. I mean, last Sunday, wonderful visitation. God's doing wonderful things, glorious things. But even yesterday, I, I could see there were at one point, this is a record for Saturday morning, there were 10 folks here all seeking the Lord at the same time. And, and I could see 
um, people that I knew functioning in ways that were noble before the Lord, but in different ways. And it was exciting to see the way this house before the Lord is, is exhibiting um, new dimensions of the kingdom. But that doesn't just have to be here in this house. It's wherever you pray. It's wherever you have submitted yourself and your closet before the Lord. Know that you're in this with the Father. And so believe it and act like it. I mean, it's exciting. Um, and, you know, I'm just grateful for the Lord and for the way he's led each of you. So I don't know what there is in your life that might be coming against you right now, but remember that in the middle of all this is that um, the Lord is strong and mighty. He's mighty in battle, and you are his anointed sons who are doing that battle on earth. And um, whatever's coming against you is, is marked to fail. You are an overcomer, and I release the healing and the vitality of the Spirit, the prospering of the Lord to you. Um, lift up your heads and believe the King of glory is here, but he's coming. Amen? Father, I thank you for this. I, I launch us into this fifth month, and we do away with lesser things. We do away with any form of bitterness. We do away from any form of, of corrupted thinking. And let us be those that have clean hands, a pure heart. Let us be those who are committed in our soul to the truth and that we speak that truth uh, and only that truth and nothing but the truth. And I bless this people. I bless our Saints Network family. I'm thankful we join together in giving thanks to you. You know, at the seminar, Father, which was a little over a month ago, you had us uh, uh, learning about how we needed to lift our voice and give the shout and the song of victory as we break through out of barrenness and we bring birth to something new. Let us be reminded of that even in our prayer times to, to give the shout to the Lord uh, and how important that is in breaking barrenness. And I remember, Father, that we had that impromptu march around this building over and over again on that Friday night. What a victory that was, but that was a prophetic stand. We're in this moment, and I thank you for this. Help us, Father. Help us to continue to walk with you. Let us do what's pleasing in your sight, and let us be ready, and let us be willing, and let us be obedient. Thank you for this. and We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in. And um, the King of glory is coming. Amen. God bless you.